Welcome to our Meditation Service podcast. Each week we will have a different presentation, including different sutra chanting, different speakers, and different Dharma messages. Through this Meditation Service program, we will have both seated and standing meditation, sutra chanting, and a Dharma message. We hope that this Meditation Service podcast will enable the listener to experience meditation, to experience sutra chanting, and to listen to a Dharma message. In our Shin Buddhist tradition, we regard meditation as not a practice or as a means to try to attain enlightenment, but we are simply sitting to calm ourselves so that we might better receive the Dharma, hear the Dharma. Our everyday life is so hectic and fast-paced and busy, we need a little bit of quiet time, tranquility. We find it hard to focus on listening to a message, and so by sitting first, we're able to settle ourselves, calm ourselves, and open our hearts and minds to receive the teachings. Once we learn how to receive the teachings in a meditation service, we find that we're able to receive the teachings even in our everyday life. We encounter teachers anywhere. It could be a driver. It could be a bartender. It could be your pet cat or dog that gives you a teaching relevant to your life. Thank you. Please be seated and we will prepare for seated meditation. Whether you're in a chair or on the floor, you want to sit with your back very straight, shoulders relaxed, eyes half open, half closed, gazing at a spot two or three feet in front of you on the floor at about a 45 degree angle, hands placed in your lap. Try to find a position uh, that we can hold without fidgeting. This is a prescribed, suggested posture, uh, but feel free to modify it as you see fit. Meditation is not supposed to be agony. So the suggested posture is to sit with a very straight back, whether you're sitting on the floor or in a chair. You want your back very straight. You don't want to have any weight leaning forwards or back. It can cause stress. Or left to right. We suggest you kind of rock forwards and backwards until you find that spot front to back that's balanced. And then you could rock left to right until you feel balanced in the middle. And then you want to have your eyes half open and half closed, gently gazing at a spot in front of you on the floor at about a 45 degree angle. We suggest this because if you have your eyes completely closed, it's easy to become drowsy and sleepy. And if your eyes are completely open, it's easy to be distracted by motion or light in the room. And then breathing, it's suggested that you breathe in through your nose by forming a vacuum with your tongue and the roof of your mouth leaving your jaw relaxed and open about a half an inch, and then breathe through your nose, down into your diaphragm, down into your stomach. The other thing you can do, there's a couple positions for your hands. You could take your left hand and place it in the palm of your right hand, touch the tips of your thumbs together, and then hold that in front of your lower abdomen with your elbows out. Another posture is to take the tips of your finger and thumb and touch them together on each hand and then pointing the remaining three fingers away from you, placing the back of your hands onto the top of your thighs. And be aware of your thoughts, don't judge them, and just watch them come and go. It takes time, 
but it works. And we will begin with gasho. In Buddhism, gasho is a form of bowing. Uh, it's much like uh, namaste in yoga. And gasho literally means to put one's palms together. So what we do is we place our left and right hand together with our palms. And then we uh, hold our thumbs and our hands against our chest or sternum. And then we have our hands held at about a 45 degree angle. And then we slowly bow forwards another 45 degrees until our hands are parallel with the ground. And then we come up. And this is called gasho. It's a Buddhist bowing, a posture of humility and respect and refuge. And after we gasho, we say namo amidabuts, namo amidabuts, namo amidabuts. And that is the sound of enlightenment, much like namaste. And we say it to each other. And we're saying it as we receive the teachings and as we are with the Buddha in this meditation service. Place your hands together and we will bow in gasho. And then at the sound of the bell, we'll begin. And then we will end with the bell.
Please join me in God's show. Namandats, 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 namandats. Take a moment to stretch your legs, and we will have standing meditation. The feet should be about shoulder width apart, with the knees bent slightly. Upper body position is the same. Back straight and centered, shoulders relaxed, eyes half open. Standing in this way is a reminder that we can extend this way of being to our life when we're not engaged in meditation per se. We might be having to wait for someone to arrive or wishing some person would help us. They don't seem to be interested in our problem. Instead of becoming upset and agitated, we can have a moment of standing meditation.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. We will begin our second seated meditation. Please be seated. You can resume your former position. Again, back straight, eyes lowered, hands resting comfortably in your lap, legs crossed, or sitting in a chair. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. We will now have sutra chanting. A sutra is a sacred scripture from Buddhism. These originated long ago in India and in China. The text that we chant is actually Chinese, a translation from Sanskrit originals. Is it necessary to understand the meaning of what we're chanting? Of course, not at the outset. We don't know anything about it when we first begin. But I believe that we should aim to understand what the sutra is teaching us. We should have a basic awareness of its content. These are the teachings of our Shin Buddhist tradition, after all. For that reason, we provide in the Shin Buddhist service book some pages of explanation and some English translations. What we experience by chanting, I would say, has three aspects. The first aspect is meditative, like sitting or standing or breathing. Chanting forces us to focus our attention on the present moment, and it helps to calm our minds. Second, there is a ritual aspect. We are reenacting something that's taken place countless times over the centuries. We are connecting with the many followers of our Buddhist tradition who have chanted these same words, and we are gaining a sense of oneness with the other people who are chanting at this time, perhaps listening to this podcast. Third, there is a learning aspect. This is to gain a little bit of knowledge of what the meaning of the characters that we chant are, and we do that separately, I would say, from actual chanting. All right, we're going to chant uh, Jusege on page 39. Jusege is another poem or verse that can be found in the larger sutra. First, you have the Sambutsuge. Then you have the 48 vows by the aspiring student claiming and proclaiming his desire to seek Buddhahood. And then after that, Jusege stands for repeated vows. So three of these 48, he considers to be the essence of his practice, and he repeats these three vows. And again, italicized lines are leader lines, open circles are bells, underlines are a beat and a half, and that means the next kanji character or sound is going to get a, a half beat. And we chant down the first column, reading left to right, and then down the second column, reading left to right. And then as we get about two-thirds of the way down the second column, you'll see that line has all underscores on it, ko, ku, sho, tenin, to u chin myo ke. So we're slowing down. I've mentioned before that the first two bells means we're beginning a chant. And then that single bell there means that we're changing a section. And it's a little bit like a train. You start out chanting slow, you speed up, and then you come into the station and slow down. And then we do Namuami Dabutsu as we do on all of our chanting. And then we end with the Ekoku. Dangon Cho Sengam Oh, <laughs> 
Shallow Gratitude and Deep Gratitude My gym puts out free coffee for its members every morning. Big coffee urns are set out on a counter near the entrance, along with all the accoutrements, including cream and sugar, and stacks of paper cups and lids. The free coffee is something that only started a few years ago, and it's become very popular. One day, when I walked toward the coffee counter to get my cup, I saw what looked like the usual crowd clustered in front. But as I got closer, I could see a couple of people were trying to fill their coffee cups from the spigots, but nothing was coming out. When they called out, there's no more coffee, I heard muttering and exclamations of dismay from the rest of the crowd. I saw that I'd have to wait for coffee and went on to the locker room. Five minutes later, I passed by the coffee counter again and saw even more people standing there with empty cups, looking and sounding even more aggravated than before. In fact, I was kind of annoyed too. I was really anxious to get my cup of coffee. I headed to the workout floor, but now I couldn't stop thinking about it and obsessing about the coffee. 45 minutes later, after my workout, 
I circled back to the counter. There was no longer a crowd, and the urns had been refilled, so I was finally able to get a cup of coffee. People were angry because they didn't get the coffee right when they wanted it. But several years ago, there was no free coffee, and nobody complained that there wasn't any. Now people felt entitled to their coffee at that moment that they wanted it, and when it wasn't there, they felt aggrieved, like something had been taken away from them. They weren't thinking that the urns would be replenished in a few minutes. Instead, they were thinking, why isn't my coffee here now? When these people had poured themselves their cups of coffee the day before or the week before, they might have thought, gee, we didn't used to have free coffee at the gym. I really appreciate having this nice extra amenity. But when the coffee wasn't right there when they wanted it, they got frustrated and angry. How fragile our sense of gratitude can be. While I did eventually get my coffee, this little episode got me thinking about gratitude. We know that we should feel grateful for many things, from something as major as good health to as minor as a person doing a small favor like holding the door open for us. We say we appreciate the good things in our lives, and most of us probably say thank you a fair amount of times in the course of a day. But how often do our grateful thoughts, or our thanks, or our appreciation arise out of a feeling of obligation? Something good happens, so I know I should feel grateful. Or how often does my gratitude arise from a transactional mindset? Because I received something, therefore I should feel grateful. This is an example of something I could call shallow gratitude. It is the kind of gratitude that is based on judgments, or labeling something as either good or bad. If I judge that something is good, I feel grateful, and if I think it is bad, I certainly don't feel thankful. I feel upset, or angry, or sad. One sign of shallow gratitude is when we take for granted what we have. When it's not there, we don't feel gratitude for what we had, Instead, we feel deprived and annoyed that we no longer have what we've come to expect. That's what I saw at the coffee counter at the gym. This is a kind of gratitude that has greed as its flip side, the feeling that we don't have enough, or the feeling of possessiveness, that something is mine. But the Buddhist way of looking at it is that gratitude is an attitude that is not dependent on conditions. It is not a transactional thing. It is not feeling grateful because we got something. It's about appreciating what is there the way it is. Unlike shallow gratitude, this deep gratitude comes from a sense that we have enough and that we appreciate everything, regardless of what external conditions exist. It is easy to feel gratitude for good things, but it is much harder to feel gratitude for difficult or unpleasant or painful things or experiences but something that is unpleasant or hard can make us think. It can teach us more than when everything is going great. There is nothing wrong with any kind of thankfulness, including what I've called shallow gratitude, but it's important to go below the surface and reach for deep gratitude, the kind of gratitude that goes beyond obligatory thanks or the reflexive, easy receiving of pleasant things. Deep gratitude is a habit that we cultivate. It is a practice because we have to learn to notice 
what there is to be grateful for, and then to pay attention to that, and then to keep doing that throughout our daily lives. It takes effort. We have to work at it until hopefully it becomes a habit, our natural way of thinking. The more that deep gratitude becomes our way of thinking and being, the easier it is to find meaning in even our most difficult and painful experiences. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namanda Butsu. Namanda Butsu. Namanda Butsu. This concludes this podcast. I hope you feel grounded. I hope you feel different than when you began. And this feeling you have, I hope you take it with you out into your everyday life. It's important to develop these qualities in a controlled environment like this podcast. But the aim is for the effects to begin to bleed out into your everyday life naturally. My wife once sent me a meme on Facebook that said, yoga works, but only if you show up. And I feel that way about Buddhism and about meditation. It surely works, but only if you stick with it. And you have to get to the point where it becomes something natural and effortless in your life. And if you have high expectations and you're trying to rush the process, you actually retard your ability to change over time. You don't want to grasp it. You don't want to hang on to it. You just want to experience it in a regular practice and integrate it into your everyday life. So thank you very much for coming. I will close with Gasho. Hands together and we will bow. Based on recommendations from the U.S. Center of Disease Control, the CDC, the OCBC has decided to take the following actions. Through and including March 31st, 2020, OCBC will cancel all activities and events on campus. This includes Ohigan Seminar and Services, Sunday services including meditation and family service, adult study, Dharma school, Japanese school, BEC classes, other seminars, organizational meetings, luncheons, etc. Also, the following events in April are either canceled or will be postponed. The Shotsuki Hoyo service on April 4th, the Hanamatsuri luncheon on April 12th, and the actual Hanamatsuri festival, which was scheduled for April 18th and 19th, has been canceled. We apologize for the inconvenience, but we feel that the COVID-19 situation warrants this change. We will be revising this at the end of the month to determine what future actions need to be taken. Please return to the OCBC website to get regular information and current updates. Online classes will remain available, and the Weekly Wheel podcast will continue to be updated. We appreciate your understanding. For more information on how to practice as a Buddhist, please visit everydaybuddhist.org to see our online content and enroll in the free course, The How-To Course. This is a how-to guide to the elements and meaning of everyday Buddhist practice in six simple steps. Hope to see you there. Today's program was presented by...
Minister's Assistant, Janice Hirohama. Reverend Marvin Harada. Reverend John Turner. Reverend Ellen Crane. And Minister's Assistant, James Pollard. Executive Producers, Reverend Marvin Harada and Jim Scott. Produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. Directed and engineered by Reverend John Turner. Edited by Jim Scott. This program includes excerpts from Time Stood Still by Riley Lee, used with permission. This program is copyright 2020, Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved. We hope you'll join us for future podcasts, or please check out our Buddhist online program at everydaybuddhist.org. Our website is ocbuddhist.org. There are Dharma messages that you can read on the website, and the online program has a number of Buddhist education courses from introductory level to the study of Buddhist texts. If you've never attended one of our meditation services, we are located at 909 Southdale Avenue in Anaheim. Thank you for joining us today.